Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of The Bible and Life. It is the middle of July, and that is crazy. July 15th, wow. How in the world did we already get to the middle of July? It feels like summer should just be beginning and we're already halfway through. Kind of nuts. Um, if you're living, listening in the Southern Hemisphere, I guess that's the middle of winter for you, middle of summer where I'm at, but nuts that we're already to the middle of July. So can't believe it's going so fast. Hope uh, this episode finds you well wherever you are at and experiencing the goodness and the joy and the grace of God. Hey, a couple updates real quick before we jump into the content of this particular episode. Um, one is on my website, if you haven't visited, it's johnwhitaker.net, johnwhitaker.net. I'll put a link down below, but got a bundle of free resources there that if you're just wanting to uh, re-engage with scripture or maybe engage with the Bible for the first time, bundle of resources that'll help you get started right and help you get started well reading the Bible. Uh, a reading plan that'll kind of that's really focused on following Jesus. There's a short three-part mini course that's a, a part of that that I'll send you a link to that helps you really think through how to read the Bible consistently, what are the keys to doing it consistently, and how can you pray through a text of Scripture to really build your relationship with God, as well as a little two-page guide that will help you think through at least some of the basics of how to read the Bible with both head and heart. we got to do it both ways if we're going to be changed by the Bible. You can't just uh, read it with your head and not the heart and be changed and make it all, you know, a big study and scholarly, but you can't just read it with your heart and not the head and be changed because the Bible is uh, ancient history written to real people living in real places. So there's some principles for reading with head. So you got to read it with both head and heart. So there's a little guide for that as well. So bundle of free resources that you can uh, sign up for on the homepage of my website, johnwhitaker.net. You might check that out as well. Along with that, I have a just released a short um, introduction to the Bible, a pretty basic introduction to the Bible. But again, if you're looking to engage with the scripture, or you've just had questions, or you've really never had anyone explain to you how the Bible's put together, um, maybe some of the things involved in reading it with your head and realizing that this is real people living in real places, what's the flow of the story and kind of the timeline of the biblical story, uh, as well as just some things about how to then, you know, with all of that in mind, how do we read it well for the sake of our own soul and for building our connection with God? So short little introduction to the Bible that is uh, also available. I'll put a link to that down below as well. It's called Get a Grip on the Bible. Made it super cheap. It's uh, currently only $15. And um, I mean, that's, you know, if you and I went out to lunch and we sat down and I introduced you to the Bible, that's what it would cost us, right? About 15 bucks. And so, man, I wish I could have lunch with each and every person that wants to figure out, you know, what the Bible is all about. I answer their questions. It's just not possible for me to do that for everybody. So made a little course with some of the things I frequently find myself talking about when I do have those coffee shop conversations or lunchtime conversations with people who are looking for some guidance in getting started with and really engaging the Bible with their brain fully uh, engaged. And so... Uh, get a grip on the Bible. I'll put a link to that down in the notes below. You might check that out as well. All right, uh, let's begin. I want to start in this episode a new series uh, walking through a specific text of Scripture that sometimes isn't given the attention it should be, and uh, sometimes is 
really misunderstood because of that. We, we read bits and pieces of it, but we don't read the whole thing, and we don't really understand what's going on. And that section of Scripture is Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. Man, that is such a central and important section of Scripture, not only in the book of Romans, but really in the whole New Testament, really for our own walk with God. Romans 6, 7, and 8 has so much to say about our walk with God. It's a little more theological than some of the stuff we've looked at at other times in the podcast, and so as we go through this series, through these these uh, these chapters, you're going to really need to kind of have your thinking cap on. Make sure you're listening a little bit more. Occasionally, you might want to you know type down a note in your phone or write down a note on a piece of paper for your note taker or something that might jog your thinking. Or it might be helpful for you to have your your you know your Bible available to you when you look at it, if possible. Or go back and read the text afterwards to see kind of what we're talking about because there are some details that we're going to have to wrestle with. But even though it's it's like that. It's got some details and it's a little theological. Man, it's incredibly practical. And if we can grasp the message of this section of Scripture, it has the power to really change our life. When I have taught this passage of Scripture in courses, either in churches or at the Bible college when I was teaching there, um, man, it was like the lights came on for students. In fact, I was just meeting with a, a fellow a couple weeks ago working on a sermon he's going to preach and when he's filling in at his church. And it wasn't this text. It was a kind of a parallel passage to this text. But even that, he's like, why is this not taught more? Why is this not taught more? It's like, man, it used to be up until maybe 50, 60, 70 years ago that it was a little more common, but it's like it's just faded to the background of our biblical teaching. And some of that has to do with uh, the gospel. We have, I don't know, in the last 30, 40, 50 years in the conservative Western uh, evangelical churches that we have adopted, a gospel that really in a lot of ways is a forgiveness-only gospel. And our whole gospel boils down to, you know, getting your ticket to heaven when you die, and so getting your sins forgiven, getting your ticket to heaven. And so we preach this forgiveness-only gospel, and that causes us to miss huge sections of Scripture and important truths of Scripture that says, no, what Jesus accomplished is not less than that. It's greater than that. It's bigger than that. And it has the power to change our our life in ways that maybe we haven't thought of or considered or maybe we've missed or maybe we've forgotten about. That's really the heart behind Romans 6, 7, and 8. All right. So in this specific episode, what I want to do is I want to give an overview of that whole section and then beginning in the following weeks, we'll go through it chunk by chunk and just look at the details a little bit so we can hear what it's saying and figure out how to apply it to our life, okay? So let's start. Romans chapter 6, 7 and 8, this section out of Romans is directly connected to uh, the end of chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 20 and 21 ends with this line that says, where sin increased grace abounded all the more. And so Paul at the end of Romans chapter 5 has been wrestling with where did sin and death come from? What brought them into the world? And um, he says that in essence, it came into the world through Adam. And he kind of just retells in a paragraph kind of the Adam and Christ contrast. Adam unleashed sin and death into the world where Adam succeeded in bringing sin and death into the world. Jesus succeeded in bringing grace and life into the world. That's really the heart of uh, that section of the, at the end of Romans chapter 5. And it ends with, so, so because of what Jesus did, because of his sin growing, death spreading throughout the world, and yet in the face of all of that, it didn't, God wasn't hamstrung. God wasn't you know, powerless to deal with it. God sent Jesus into the world, and where sin and death increased, grace and life abounded all the more. 
Well, Paul sees a, a follow-up question to that, an implication from that that he knows now he's going to have to wrestle with in the ensuing paragraphs. And so that's where chapter 5 ends, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Chapter 6 picks up with, well, if sin led grace to abound, why not go on sinning so that grace can abound all the more? And that's the question then that really sets the trajectory for chapters Uh, 6, 7, and 8 of Romans? It's an important question, Um, but let me just give you an overview of the whole section so we understand how this whole section works, so we can read it well, so that as we walk through it together over the next few weeks, we actually understand what's going on, okay? Um, In Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, what Paul does is he asks and answers a series of questions. And if we don't pay attention to that structure and only read maybe, you know, a verse here, a verse there, we don't realize the question that's being answered, we will misunderstand Paul's point, okay? And so, you know, whenever you're studying Scripture, context is king. That's just one of those basic Bible study principles. Context is king. And... and And part of discerning the context is understanding kind of the flow of thought and the structure uh, of the uh, author's thought. All right. And so Paul asks four questions over the next couple chapters, two and a half chapters, and answers those questions in the paragraphs that follow. And those questions, therefore, help us understand the answer. They help us understand the topic he's talking about and why he says things the way he does. So, first question is that one right at the beginning of uh, chapter one, or excuse me, right at the beginning of, of chapter six and verse one, where he says, should we go on sinning that grace might abound? Um, since the abounding of the increase of sin led to grace abounding, should we just keep on sinning that grace might abound all the more? And Paul asked that question at the beginning of chapter 6. His basic answer in verses 1 through 14 is, No, you've died to sin, and you've become alive to God. That's who you are. You've died to sin, you've become alive to God. And so, no, you shouldn't go on sinning so that grace may abound all the more. That's question number one, and in brief, answer number one. Then he follows that up in 6.15 with a new question. And that question is, well, How about this? Shall we go on sinning because we're not under the Old Testament law, but under grace? And it sounds very similar to what he asked before, and it is in a lot of ways. In fact, his answer is very similar, uh, but that idea of the Old Testament law is very important. And that has to do with kind of the flow of Romans in, in total, where Paul has been saying, look, we we know that the Old Testament law didn't make anybody uh, put anyone into a right relationship with God. Uh, The Old Testament law, therefore, is not the way God's people are formed and fashioned anymore. Now God's people are found in Christ, not in Torah, okay? And so we'll deal with that when we get there. But that flow really leads Paul to necessarily say, so if you're saying, Paul, we're not under the law, the law is no longer the way God's people are formed and fashioned. And if the Old Testament law is no longer the way they are governed by God, then doesn't that just lead to more sinning? I mean, if if we're not under the law, but we're under grace and we're in Christ, then how in the world do people do what's right? So shall we go on sinning because we're not under the law? That's the next question that shows up in Romans chapter 6, verse 15. And this, this gets two paragraphs of an answer. So first paragraph, 615 through 23 is, no. Why not? Well, because you're slaves to that which you obey, 
either sin, which leads to death, or righteousness, which leads to life. And so you're, you're a slave to either sin or righteousness. You, you, in other words, you still have to be God-governed in order to be a part of God's people and to be in a right relationship with God. It's just different the way it's going to play out now. So setting aside the law doesn't mean it's a free-for-all where you can do whatever you want. So you're slaves to either that which you obey, uh, uh, you're slaves to that which you obey, either sin, which leads to death, or righteousness, which leads to life. That's paragraph number one in answer to that question. Paragraph number two, seven, one through six is... See, we have to understand the law's problem. The law, he says, was taken advantage of by sin, but you've been released to the law and so that you can serve in the Spirit. And so it's not like just because we're not under the law means we are not don't have to be God-governed. It's just the way God governs us now is by His Spirit. And guess what? That actually leads us to bear fruit for God. So, shall we... Second question is, shall we go on sinning because we're not under the law? And the answer is no. No, because... Uh, you're still a slave to that which you obey. And here's the thing, God actually sets you free from the law so he could govern you by his spirit, which actually leads you to do the things God wants you to do. All right, question number three in this section is this. Um, It shows up in chapter seven of Romans, verse seven. Well, is the law sin? If sin took advantage of the law so that we actually had to be released from the law so we could actually please God, does that mean the law is sin? Paul is like, well, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. So his answer in 7, 7 through 12 is, well, no. The law uh, taught that sin, what sin was, but the flesh and sin, surprisingly, took advantage of the law and actually produced all sorts of sinning in me. And so the law is not sin. It was just taken advantage of by sin. So that's question number three. And then the fourth and final question in this section is this, shows up in 7.13, and it is this. Well, did the law, which is good, become a cause of death for me? Did the law, which is actually a good thing, become a cause of death for me? We'll have to talk quite a bit about this section when we get there, because I think there's a lot of confusion about that. There's even confusion about Paul calling the law good. A lot of us conservative questions, we look down on the Old Testament law. We rail against the Old Testament. Oh, it's a bunch of rules and all those menial technical rules. Ah, and God knew we could keep that. So, right. And so we oftentimes speak like the law is bad, but Paul believes it's good. And so he asked the question, did the law, which is actually a good thing, become death for me? And he asked that question in 7.13, and the answer is, well, no, no, sin in me led to sinning, and sin in me led to death. It's just that the law couldn't set me free from that. The law was powerless to deal with what was wrong with me. Um, and so that's his initial answer in 7.13 through 25, and then that leads to really the full statement of how we live out this new identity we have, this new freedom we have from the law, this new freedom from sin, this new freedom of the Spirit. How do we live all that out? Well, he shows that in chapter 8, 1 through 14, where he says, In Christ, God condemned sin, freed us from the law of sin and death, uh, and gave us the Spirit so that we could actually put to death the deeds of the body. So that's the whole section. In a nutshell, that is Romans 6, 7, and 8. Those four questions are absolutely critical if we're going to hear Paul's flow of thought and really understand uh, the argument and understand what 
he's saying, why he's saying it, and how it applies to our life. So as you read through Romans 6, 7, and 8, look for those main questions he asks. Should we go on sinning that grace may abound? Question number one. Question number two, shall we go on sinning because we're not under the law? Question number three, well, is the law sin? And question number four, well, did the law, which is good, become a cause of death for me? Those four questions um, shape everything he says in the section. And if we read this section with those questions in mind and hear his answers to those questions, we'll understand it a whole lot better. All right, there you go. Overview of Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. That sets up the flow of thought for where we want to go in the ensuing weeks on the podcast. I'm super excited to share this stuff with you. Like I said, I have taught this for years, both in churches and courses at the Bible College, and I have seen the lights come on for students to realize, oh, wow, oh, man. This has the power to change how I think about myself, how I feel about myself, how I carry out my life. And so I believe it can do the same thing for you. So I'm super excited to share this with you in the uh, upcoming weeks on the podcast. All right, before we leave it for today, uh, just a quick reminder, you know, this is a listener-supported podcast. The reason I'm able to do what I do is because of the generous support of folks like you who listen to the show and are like, man, I... I I think this is so helpful. I, I, I'm getting immense value out of this. And and uh, and then because of that, not only do they pray for me, and not only do they share the show with their friends, which is incredibly helpful, by the way. Please do both of those. Please pray for me. Please uh, share the show with your friends. And, you know, send a text. You ought to check this out. Put it on social media. Do those things. But, but some of you have actually stepped up and have become patrons through my Patreon page or have donated through... Uh, World Family Mission on my website. And if you're able to give financially, that is just a massive blessing. That's the only reason I'm able to keep doing this podcast is because of the generosity of people. And so over the last couple of weeks, I've actually picked up four or five new patrons through Patreon. Um, people like Gary, people like Daniel, um, people like Jace. Uh, there are others that have signed on. I've mentioned a few of them in weeks past. But that is a massive encouragement to me. Obviously, it helps meet my need. I have bills to eat, uh, to pay, and if I need food to eat, right? So it helps pay the bills. It really allows this podcast to, to continue and expand. So thank you so much for your generosity. So you can donate if you want to through Patreon. Become a patron there, which allows you to get a bonus podcast every month. And currently, I'm studying kind of the background of the book of Revelation on for my patrons to help people understand the background of the book of Revelation. Or you can go to my website, and in the upper right-hand corner, there's a button that just says Donate. Those donations go through an organization called World Family Mission. The benefit to giving that way is all donations given there are tax-deductible. So you can give one way or the other. One way gets you an extra podcast. One way uh, gives you the tax-deductible benefit if you're looking for that. And um, if you're able to give, huge blessing, not only to me, but to people all around the world who are listening to the Bible and Life podcast and would never be able to, to give um, just because of their financial situation and your generosity enables them to receive some Bible teaching like this in this way. And It's crazy to me to think that there are people that we will never meet, that I will never meet face to face and tell the world to come who whose faith is being strengthened who maybe for the first time are really growing in their faith because of this podcast, who find this podcast incredibly useful to helping them follow Jesus, and we won't get to meet until the world to come. And if you're one of those listeners who are listening around the world, listening outside of you know my little local context where I, I actually get to meet some people, 
Thank you so much for being a part of the Bible and Life family. Thank you for tuning in and listening each week. I pray that this podcast helps all of us grow in our faith so that we might become more like Jesus, might uh, reflect his beauty and his glory back into the world and draw more and more people to himself. So thank you for being a part of the Bible and Life family. God bless you guys, and we will see you in the next episode.